Reverend God's minister is here, and he has something really, 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 really important to talk to us about, uh, about the book of James. I think uh, he has told me there are nine lessons they're going to go through on it. If you have the brochures on that, you can probably get one if you don't have. And so in order to introduce that today, we'll look over at that green light. Um, Mr. Matt Steele. Hello. So I uh, just wanted to remind everybody, obviously we did this uh, before with two other Bible studies. We did uh, Countdown to Pentecost Bible study that we created in-house, and then last time was Ephesians um, that we, we studied together. Just remind everybody of the rules. There are no stupid questions or answers. This is an opportunity to share ideas, to learn from one another, uh, it's a safe zone. You don't have to be a biblical expert. Don't be worried about showing what you do or do not know. Um, it's just all about sharing and learning from each other. Hopefully the bomb will not go off. And just to let everybody know, we are hoping that we're going to get rid of this. We, we approved at the board meeting uh, last Sabbath that we're going to replace our, our wireless mics. Uh, they need to be replaced for details that I want talk about publicly, but um, they're, they're going to be uh, replaced, and hopefully that'll, that'll fix that problem. All right, so just remember those rules. It's about sharing what you've studied, what you've learned. Um, if you didn't get a chance to uh, study the, the book, the, the first lesson this past week, uh, no worries. Rapidly scramble through some of the questions real quick. Uh, please contribute as you have thoughts. Uh, in the Bible study, and um, you know, to, let's just have fun. So, want to kick it off. Uh, one of the things that N.T. Wright does, he always has like an opening question, just to kind of set our minds or the scene um, or part of the story. And his opening kind of question, a general question, is, "What is it like to be tossed by waves, whether inside a boat or just in the water?" And I'm sure that some of us, all of us probably, have been in waves of some sort, right? Everybody been in waves? Anybody made waves? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've made waves? Larry, just Hey, Larry, Larry. We'll, we'll get to the questions here in a minute. Just hold on one second. So, thinking about waves. Thinking about being in waves in the ocean, in a boat, uh, being even just in the, at the shore, right, on the beach, and those waves are coming in, experience some of that. What is that going on? What is it? Is it power? Is it lack of control? Thinking about those things. Waves. Do what? What do they do to us? Take you off balance. Knock you off balance. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, as you're walking, especially if you're like on the beach and you're walking through the water and you're getting a little deeper, and the force of that water starts to knock your foot against your other foot, and you 
So you're struggling just to even put one foot in front of the other, right? Now, of course, when you're on the boat. What else does it do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You ever been kind of disorientated by the waves? You know, and the, the sunlight is glistening off the waves, and you, can, you could lose your balance. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Larry, did you have a thought about being in, in waves? We're not doing that. <laughs> We're going to go through these questions. Does anybody not have a book? We have a book for you. Anybody else? Tony, you don't have a book? Do we have any more? <laughs> Exceedingly wet, yes. And, 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 and heavy. heavy. Right? The water crashes in on you. Maybe you're wearing clothes and it just adds to the weight. Fran? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's been uh, fast moving, right? Or if you've ever been down one of those, you know, river, uh, not float trip, but the, the, the fast water ones, right? And you can get stuck between a, a rock and a wave, right? Not maybe a rock and a hard place, but Larry? So let's kind of get into the scripture. I just want to remind everybody of, of you know, the actual verses we were looking at, verses 1 through 8 of the first chapter. And then we'll jump into N.T. Wright's uh, specific questions that he has here. So in, starting in verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So our first question that he has for us is, uh, what does he say here? And I don't know if you guys have this, but there seems to be a typo. It's almost like there's two question twos. Do you have that? But in mine, it looks like the, the first question is, we should learn to look at them or... Um, no, wait. Let me get to it. Yeah. We should learn to look at them with joy as 
the trials that he's talking about. Why does James tell his readers to celebrate trials? We have got a mic here. It shows us that we are being tested, okay, and, and gives us opportunities to exercise and strengthen our faith, thereby growing in our faith. But the fact that we're being tested tells us that the Lord feels that we're worthy of that. If God's just leaving you alone and you're just sailing along fine, something's wrong. Good thoughts. Mark at the back. Yeah, I, Ken took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the exact same thing. But I tell you what, though, the last six weeks or so since uh, Dale died, um, and with everything else that our family has gone through the last six weeks, you really have to question yourself and ask God, why are you testing us now? Why have you sent these trials? It's really hard to get through sometimes. It really is, unless <clears throat> and you, it, it tests your faith, doesn't it? Um, and although you question, you've also got to understand the bigger picture here that, like Ken said, God is testing you, but there's a reason as we're all preparing for our future in the kingdom. And how strong are we? Um, and can we, uh, can we get through this? And of course, we, we can. We, we, with faith in God, he'll, he'll see us through. That's a really good point, Mark, and hold on to that thought about asking why, right? Because that's one of his later questions that, that he has. Ron? Are we on? There we go. With the trials, uh, you will learn patience and endurance and understanding that in at least the millennium, when we're helping humans, we're going to need to have a lot of that helping them. A lot of endurance <laughs> and a lot of patience. <laughs> but is it broader than just, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but maybe we run the risk of uh, not valuing what is being worked in us by just thinking about it only for others and only for the future. It's part of that asking God for that wisdom, right, that we'll, we'll get into. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Larry? Would it be okay for me to ask you a question? No, we're going to go through this format here, Larry. It's, what we is have a this trial? For a particular what, what is your definition of a trial? So I'd like you to answer the question. Now? So our question here is, why does James tell his readers to celebrate trials? So that, that's what we're trying to answer right now. Well, I, in my doing re pre preparation for this, um, went to the dictionary that I had, trial can be a test. And it, it can be something that, that you're going through with a, some kind of type of a su suffrage that you're going through with. And in those times in our lives, it, it's kind of hard. It is hard for me to understand. It's a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. If you're 
some of you, well, you've been through considerable things in your life, uh, having, in your birth of your children, it wasn't an easy time. And that would, that would be, and I, it would be hard for you to say that was a joyous time, wouldn't it be? And whenever some of what has happened recently, the COVID, what has some of y'all have gone through with, you, you don't, I don't think, uh, it'd be, it's hard for me to see how the suffering you was going through with, you called it a joy. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I can see the, another part of it, that whenever you see God's hands involved in this, this particular situation, and there was no other way that it wasn't in, he wasn't involved in it, there could be happiness or appreciation <laughs> how it at turned, the end turned of it. out. Yeah, at the end of it is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. One of my experiences, I'm talking too much, I'll pass it. Okay. Well, Larry, you, you make a really good point because that word about joy, count it all joy, if you look at the Greek word for it, I don't know if any of you guys did that, but there's a couple of different ways of translating it into the English. And one that really jumped out to me was calm delight. And I think that's different than, yippee, I'm in a trial, right? It's, it's more of a, a calmness and a kind of like, okay, well, there's, there's a little bit of posit, positive effect in this trial. I can delight in the positive side of it, not in all of it. I can't delight in, you know, 75% of it, but somewhere in here there might be 10, 15, 20% of this experience that is something I can delight in and appreciate that God is, is bringing me through. Does that, does that make sense? And maybe that word just, you know, means a little bit more to me than, than you, but it's, I think it's worth trying to, to look at it like that. None of our experiences are 100% whatever the strongest emotion is, right? We're much more complicated than that. And so I think that's part of what James is, is talking about. This is like a considered calm, okay, this really doesn't feel good. There's a lot of sadness or a lot of anxiety or fear, but there's a little bit of a delight, like Ken talked about, that God is in this. He's allowing me to do this. He thinks I'm strong enough to go through this some of those kinds of values. Any other thoughts on this? Or only on question one? Uh, my thought on it is, and I'll make it short, is uh, when we go through uh, waves or trials, it's a test in one sense of the word because God is training us not only for this life, but for the life that is to come. There are millions and millions of people in other nations yet to hear the truth. So not only is it uh, for us to learn that calmness and how to handle it, we're going to have to handle it. So one of the things about it is it builds character. And character builds a destiny. And our destiny is to help save the world. That's what Christ is going to do. Because yeah, James says, add to your faith, right? You're kind of adding to your faith through the endurance, these, these things. Yeah. All right, let's go to question, uh, let me see, question two. 
How can letting patience have its full effect uh, result in our being whole and complete, not lacking anything? How can that patience, or maybe uh, the, the word that Ron used, endurance, how can that endurance have its full effect uh, result in our being whole and complete, not lacking anything? I've got one, Matt. Um, what I said, it, it's like what we've been talking about. Part of patience um, is about waiting, having faith that the situation will happen, that the outcome happens that you've been praying for. Um, and so to some extent, and these are just some of the things you might have to do, it's about controlling our emotions, standing firm, not wavering. Although... In the midst of that trial, that can be hard to do. Yeah. yeah that's good. Other thoughts? Steve? I didn't look this one up, but I, I think in the normal New Testament, the word perfect actually means mature. And so if that's the case, um, trials actually are designed to mature us um, and, and bring us closer to God. Um, some trials are hard, uh, but as God brings us through those trials, we are, are maturing and becoming a, a stronger um, Christian, is what it amounts to. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Steve, about the, the, the other words used there. Um, we see, if I can find the right spot. So when he says, uh, have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. In, in the Greek, it, you could actually read it that you may be complete and complete. But there's two different completes. One is mature or whole, the whole thing. It's kind of to the level of, of all put together and, and finished, almost like a, a finishing of a fine sculpture or work of art, something like that. And then the the other one is having all of the parts necessary. And that, I think, goes to the testing, right? You test to see if, you, if it works. Does the faith work for the outcome that you're expecting? You know, will the, uh, will the, the, the car that you're testing in the, in, with the crashed test dummy inside, will it protect? Will it shield? Will it drive? Will it go... Will it do all the things that it's designed to do? And then when you look at the test, an interesting word for wisdom, and we'll, that's in another question. Wisdom actually means to kind of like scientifically investigate. So there's almost like a real intellectual process going on here to stand back and look at those, look at those tests. Um, let's jump to question three. Gets a little bit more personal here, some personal examples. Mark's already forged the way, talking about uh, obviously challenges in his life and his family's life. But when has patience had a positive effect on you and your life as a result of the testing of your faith? And remember, we can look at patience being endurance as well. But when has that patience had a positive effect on you and your life as a result of the testing? 
recently I lost my wife, and my patience was definitely tested for two years dealing with being a caretaker for my wife, not actually being able to be a husband, but a full-time caretaker, then dealing with the COVID in the, in on top of that. Anybody else? Larry? Also, uh, don't we have to take into consideration God does things on his timetable, not, not our timetable. When we ask him to do something, it may involve, it's probably going to happen, because he's sovereign, he totally know, knows best. And also, how about isn't patience one of the fruits of the Spirit? Any other thoughts? Some of these uh, personal questions are a little challenging, right? I mean, you've got to reveal something that you experienced that was a test and that, that what you got out of it. Um, that might be a little bit harder to, to share. I'll, I'll share one. You know, uh, the end of 2020, I lost my job. I had never lost a job in a 30-year career. I'd never been fired from a job. I never had a position eliminated. I never experienced that. Now, I had, in my youth, I had seen my dad experience that lots of times. And I didn't handle it very well. That was a very big trial for me. And I've, I've recently learned that one of the things that can happen in, in the mind, a neurological change that can happen. When you lose a job, when you're told you're not needed anymore, it can literally change your brain chemistry. And it can lead to, obviously, depression. It can lead to thinking that you're not qualified, that you're not good enough. All of those things that we might feel in that situation. Why was it me and not them? And, you know, there's, there's so many different responses to that. And the biggest response I realized was I thought that I had an identity about myself that was only founded on God and what he thought of me and it wasn't so I realized in the testing that I actually was really sensitive and desiring the the affirmation of man for who I was and what value I brought to the world Trials do that, don't they? They get down deep, and you hold on, and you endure the waves crashing in on you. And then you ask, as Mark said, the question of God is, why? Why does this happen? Why did this happen? Why did I have to look after my wife for two years and be this caregiver? And then she lo I lost her anyway. Why? What? What? What was that all about? And these are just, I mean, James is just opens this letter up with, let's go super deep. You know, you and I write a letter and we say, hey, friends, I hope you've all been well. No, he's like, greetings. All right, let's get serious. 
This is what's happening in our lives and, and what we should learn from it. All right, so uh, question, I think it's question four. Wisdom is needed to cope with trials and to build patience. Why does James emphasize asking for wisdom with faith? I just have a comment here that it strikes me as really funny that he says wisdom is needed to cope with trials and to build patience because wisdom comes from having the trials. It's almost a chicken and the egg, which comes first. Right. <laughs> other, other thoughts? Well, my uh, comment is, goes on right along with hers. Uh, takes wisdom to develop or increase faith. Increase faith, yep. James, right there. Ron. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't have the wisdom to deal with the problem. Sometimes you got to have to you have to go to poor God and, and say, I don't know what to do. I need your input and I need your help here. And it's humbling because sometimes we uh, we get so wrapped up in ourselves we think we can handle it. Right. But the problem is we find out we can't handle it because it's a greater calling than just uh, uh, learning some philosophy of the world and try to depend on that and work it out on yourself. Uh, because God's trying to teach us something that is his wisdom. His wisdom. It's his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So for me, when I go through a trial, and that's generally what God has me do, I have to go through the trial to learn what he wants me to learn. Sometimes it's not very pleasant. And out of that, once you learn to let God have that kind of control and to teach you, then you become more patient, and you come. You say, then you then you recognize it's God in control of your life. It's not just you in control of your life, and that's what He's after. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of ironic too, right? Like what Renee said, it's like chicken and the egg. Well, you ask for wisdom, you get more wisdom, and you get more patient. Well, why would you need more patience for the next trial, right? Fran and then uh, Ron. I think that sometimes we f forget that God gives us wisdom so that we can help others through whatever trial they're going through. We've been there. We know. And that's why, you know, we're supposed to be here to be helping people that God is or is not calling, but our wisdom is to help other people. And maybe that's part of asking God for wisdom, right? It, it may actually be, yes, okay, I hear you. You're asking for understanding wisdom while you're going through this. I need you to go talk to Fran, right? Because you had that experience. Yeah, yeah. Ron? I put down, and I'd like to thank Ron for reading my book <laughs> so we don't make foolish decisions that might jeopardize a solution that God has already worked out for us could you read that again 
so we don't make foolish decisions, the opposite of wisdom, that might jeopardize a solution that God has already worked out for our problem. And I'm good at doing that. You want to jump right in and try to fix something, right. but if you wait for the right and perfect answer, it's God's answer. Yeah, because you might jump in with your own idea and make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry? Um, how, about, how about Solomon? What, what happened? When, wasn't he, didn't he ask for wisdom? And what happened? Wow. One, the one that comes to my mind is about these two women, and one of them what? One of them child. One of them rolled over or killed the child. Anyway, God gave Solomon the wisdom to know for sure which one was the live child and which one killed the child. And I think, and also God says that wisdom does come with age. Whether <laughs> you get further down the road in life, that you've <laughs> you've been through. The school of hard knocks <laughs> that you you learn and you you encourage others not to do some of the things maybe they're doing anyway i that's what these has what has come to my mind thank you larry so question five what does james stress about god in this passage that makes us able to ask for wisdom with such hopeful expectation First off, we need to realize God is liberal in his love, and he wants to give us, you know, especially if we're going to ask for wisdom or something like that. He's, he's ready, okay, uh, and we'll freely give it, but we must trust in him and walk in his word, because if we doubt him, then we're not going to fully go with him, and we're going to waste our time. And trust the answer he gives us. Right? When we ask for that wisdom, might not necessarily jive with our thoughts about it, but that's what he is, is telling us to, to do. And inspect. Remember that word wisdom can also mean to inspect, as in scientifically. So you're getting this testing, and then you ask God, okay, what are we testing here? Because I'm in the middle of it, and I can't see. So where here am I inspecting in my faith, in my heart, that needs to be strengthened, right? Added to, to be, remember the overall, more complete. I think one of the things that uh, all of a sudden got my attention here is uh, God's not offended by us coming and asking for wisdom. <laughs> he, he, he says liberally, and he, and he doesn't scold us when we come and ask for that. Yeah. So obviously there is a, uh, a channel open that he wants us to take to ask for wisdom, to, you know, to... to we are his children, and so consequently, as children, we need to ask the Father and the Son for wisdom, and that's important. Reminds me of when my boys were younger. I mean, they still do it now, but when they were younger, it's like a constant stream of questions. And, you know, to the point that you're like, turn it off. 
But, you know, we don't want to scold them. They're asking questions, and and they're listening to the answer. And I don't think God will ever do that. I mean, James tells us. So what should our default be then? When we're in a trial, when we are struggling, like what Ron said, our default should be just ask God, what is the wisdom in here? What am I supposed to see? I always used to think, well, I've got to do everything that I can do first. And then when I reach my limit, then God picks it up. That's the wrong answer. We are yoked together. Remember, Jesus says, my, my, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. I'm yoking with you. Just ask the question when you're in the middle of it. Even if you think you know what the answer is. That's my two cents for it anyway. Um, I think we have time for one more. And to that end, let me do it a little differently. Any, anybody have a thought or a question that they felt was particularly of the rest of them here that you, you really wanted to share? We'll jump on that question. Any particular question that jumped out at you? Mark? Question um, eight. Could you read the question? Oh, yeah, yeah. What does James say will happen when we ask for wisdom, yet doubt that God will give it? And, and I was going to say that um, then uncertainty can arise, and that gets us nowhere. Um, there should be no room for doubt. I think that's what James is saying. There should be no room for doubt. Um, and we must have full confidence in God. Yeah, I mean, we're already at a critical point, right? As we're asking this question in the midst of a trial, by nature it's unsettling. By nature it's almost like the waves that James is talking about. And then when we don't accept the answer, I think is what you're saying, that adds further uncertainty. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Other thoughts on question eight? Question seven, how can having a wrong view of God result in doubting God? If we don't realize that God is perfect love, but rather believe Satan's lie, that God is greedy and selfish as Satan is, we will doubt God. And we must always remember God is love, perfect love, and he cannot lie. So we need to have that faith and and be strong in it, because anything else, it'll, it'll go away. Other thoughts on seven or eight? Yeah, I had one happen to me just before I came to the church stuff. Uh, I, I was gone, and while I was gone, Somebody ran into my house, and he took out my back fence, the gas meter, my building, my staircase, my patio. He took out part of my kitchen and everything. And my son, wow. uh, who's uh, he's uh, uh, paraplegic, he was downstairs at that time where his room was, which was right next to it, and he couldn't get out where the wreck was. And 
when I come home, you know, I, I did the right things. You know, I called the police and did all the things on my checklist. And uh, then, then the work and everything, it just seemed like it come to a halt. Everything just kind of come to a halt. We're sitting in the house is destroyed, and we can't use the kitchen. <laughs> we can't do a lot of things. You can't cook. Uh, the restroom that my son uses was downstairs, and we live in a two-story house. And of course, you can't get the wheelchair upstairs, and it's very difficult for him to get on the thing and go upstairs all the time. So my, my thing was is check with God, you know, Am I doing the right thing? Was I, was I, you know, I was asking God, you know, about it and help and stuff like this, you know, but this kept dragging on. This happened in April, and the work didn't start really into it till the end of August. Oh, wow. And so it was quite a test, you know, a test. And then all the time, you know, I had people in the house, my son and and my wife and everything like that, and they're asking me when this is going to be done. You know, why don't you call the insurance company? Why aren't? Why didn't the police come out and investigate it? Why didn't? Uh, uh, why was the biggest concern the gas? You know, so it was kind of difficult at that time. And I, I, I came up and I figured out the solution at the end that God was giving, teaching me patience. But uh, you know, I still I had problems and still do, you know, think, did I really get the right answer? I mean, my house is done and everything like that, so I guess you'd say, yeah, I got the right answer, but still I have doubts that, you know, did I do the right thing? Did I pursue the right way? So you're kind of saying, well, after the fact, did I learn the right things from this experience? I think we can be sure that if we didn't, We'll get another trial, right? <laughs> I mean, God's not done with this, right? So he'll just bring another one. Yeah, you didn't get the message the first time. But there's a, I think there's another thought there too, which I, I run to, and I don't know if any of you guys run to, but when the trial comes, what did I do wrong? You know, what sin did I do? What punishment am I getting? And then, well, if we look at that, that way, what are we going to learn? Nothing, right? Because we missed the point. James is telling us the trials are about improving you, adding to your faith, making you more complete, not bringing you down, not judging, not, not condemning, you know? It's, it's about building you up. Fran? Sometimes our trial is not about us. It's uh, for someone else to learn from how we react to it. Like somebody watching us? Yeah. Can I opt out of those? Can we give them their own trial? <laughs> Okay, well, we are out of time, believe it or not. Great participation, thank you. This is really good, and um, it's only going to get better. You know, and, and one of the things that you know, always strikes me is that sometimes some of these questions, you read it and you're like, oh, that's pretty simple. 
And then you start answering it, and you start really getting stuck in, and your three paragraphs of, of text in answering this, this one question. So I encourage everybody to just really get stuck in. If you don't have a book, uh, we're clearly out. So if you don't have a book now, we'll, we'll have to order some more. If you're a kind of an electronic guru, uh, you can get the Kindle version. You could go get that tonight and get working on lesson two uh, for next week. But um, thank you, everybody. And uh, let's just take a moment to pray. I think it's a good idea. Uh, it's suggested in, in the study here. Eternal Father, we just thank you for this Bible study. We thank you for the time that we've spent this last week getting into your word, uh, trying to understand the lessons that you're teaching us through the book of James and, and trying to understand the lessons you're teaching us through trials and through difficulties and through suffering that we, we endure on different levels at different times. Father, we just ask that you'd help us to remember these points in the next trial that we, are, we go through or the trial that we're in the middle of now, Father, that you would help us to, to cry out to you for wisdom, that you would help us to just hold fast and have that steadfastness and endure it so that we can see and inspect and, and, and see from your perspective what it is that you're trying to add to our faith and to our heart and to this new creature that you're making us into. So we just ask, Father, for this blessing, for this insight, and, and for us to remember this lesson. And we just pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.